this is Grace Kaler from Pizzo Native Plant Nursery. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1, go. Love a woman who knows how to pronounce my last name. You're the best. Woo-hoo! Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find, temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main, clean beaches and sparkling sand. He won't make her double dig in her garden if she doesn't make him try broccoli aromatherapy. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. High forest, no wetlands, well, good planets are in the main. Right. Lights are dimming in the studio already. They're flickering. Yeah. That's the original. Oh, so do I, but that's a different story. Okay. <laughs> and then there's the other one. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. Uh, I love Gene Wilder. Got we'll have we'll have more uh, like that today. Why? I don't know. Because it's Christmas. <laughs> Yay! You are wearing a Christmassy sweater. Am I? I know. This is my holiday sweater. It's not like the Charlie Brown. <laughs> no, sweater. that's not the Charlie Brown one. No, I've got a Charlie Brown sweater know, too it's... that I sometimes bring in. Hokey smoke, folks. We um, unlike yesterday where we sat around sort of twiddling our thumbs. And trying to figure out how to fill an hour. Today, we got a lot. You got, <laughs> we got a lot, a lot we got, of we things. We got seven hundred pages here of script to get through because <laughs> uh, we have so much information that's going to be on the show today. Because that's our big Sunday extravaganza. Brandon now. is lighting uh, the script with his cigar there in uh, the control room now. I don't know why he's doing that. He thinks it's a twenty dollar bill. Um, or actually, he's lighting a cigar with this. That's yes. that's just the just opposite. So long as he doesn't lose he's, the maybe phone. Maybe he's lighting him doing both. Um, and uh, so let's whip through it really quick because we just got a couple of minutes here before we break. Uh, Patrick O'Neill from Amp Your Good is back on the show. He was our. Did you know he was our final on our final show at Pirate Radio? Arg. Oh my goodness! Look who's watching, Tony Montana. Knee, give that man a ding. In uh, the heart of Manhattan, he's in Washington Heights. Uh, I, I assume you're there this morning, Tony. Oh my goodness! Uh, uh, we've got so we've got our East Coast contingent mm-hmm. there. That's great. So if you want to watch us, go over to Facebook Live. 
at the Mike Novak Show, and you can watch the whole show live. Uh, right, and a bunch of people are are jumping on right now. I'm sure they got their cup of coffee and they're and watching now the camera. Uh, okay, I'm not I sure got, where the top of your head went. Uh, they zoomed in <laughs> for one thing. Don't we have it? We have a control. Don't I'll we? try that at the break. Uh, if we hello. try it right now, uh, we'll, we'll things it. will happen. <laughs> It's no. This is that's working on your do, Quasimodo do right now. Do not cut for... off the top of my head. The show host does not want the top of his head cut off. Um, Patrick O'Neill will be on from Ampere Good. Uh, he was on our final show at mm-hmm. Pirate Radio, um, and it's a uh, it's it. He's part of this Give Healthy movement, and the idea is don't don't go to your pantry and and donate stuff to a, a food drive. You know the the a six year old can of spaghettios. Yes, not even spaghettios, like the beans that you didn't uh, the the green beans that mm-hmm. nobody's ever going to eat. The generic ones, right? If you don't want it, they don't want it. That's got to be your rule of thumb, okay? So he'll tell us what what they're doing. Uh, we're going to promote the next week, next Saturday. We're broadcasting live from the tenth annual McHenry County College Green Expo in Kim Hankins. From McHenry County College will be on the show today. Uh, Margaret Frisbee, Friends of the Chicago River. We're going to find out why. Oh, my goodness. There's oil spilling into Bubbly Creek, a tributary of the Chicago River. Nobody knows where it came from. Coating ducks, coating turtles, Mm -hmm. coating geese. Nice. Booms around. And nobody knows where it's from. EPA is out there and MWRD is out there. Margaret will tell us why we can't figure out where the oil is coming from. Really good. Good stuff. And we don't need an EPA, right? Who needs a stinking, nah, who needs nah, a stinking nah. EPA? I tell you what, we just get citizens out there. Bring your brooms, bring your uh, your blotters, and, and absorb the oil. That'll be fun. Um, and then finally, in second hour, our buddy Bill Whitney uh, will be uh, in the studio. Very excited about that. Uh, he, if I can find his cheat sheet, there he is someplace, The uh, with the City Bee Savers. Uh, he's going to be talking about finding the perfect queen for beehives in our area. It's not as easy as you might think. So all on the show today, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Ariana's here, so's Brandon. Stick around. The Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 4th, and this 10th anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display, the award-winning traveling exhibit Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy savings inventions with you. Of course, more than 70 green exhibits and vendors of all kinds, including invited artists who will be displaying and selling their sustainable creations. Did I mention the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? And Peggy and I will be there. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain, too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. 
Hi, folks. The Mike Novak Show is moving. No, it's not. Well, we won't be live on Saturday mornings anymore. Yes, but we'll still be right here live on Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Just like the old days. You mean last week? Yeah, something like that. So, what's the deal? The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is leaving Saturdays and staying on Sundays right here on 1590 WCGO starting November 11th. I get it. You get it in. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Sundays from 9 to 11, only on Smart Talk. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Who's that I see walking in these woods? Why, it's Little Red Riding Hood. (laughs) Hey there, Little Red Riding Hood. You sure are looking good. You're everything a big bad wolf could want. Yeah, this works really well in the era of sexual harassment. Okay, nice. Uh, this is this is that the the CD that's uh, theoretically about um, mm-hmm. Halloween. I guess so. If you're going to dress like a big bad wolf, or you're going to yeah. dress like Little Red Riding Hood, that would come close. Yep. But you know, this is like this. This is how hard you have to search for songs. That have something to do with Halloween. So, there you go. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. Let's go right to the phone line because we got a lot of guests today. And uh, one of them is a guy who was on our show last December. And uh, he is Patrick O'Neill, the CEO of Amp Your Good. Patrick, good morning. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Uh, great. We're great. This is the first time you're on uh, our, our, well, it's not our new station. It's almost a year old now. Uh, 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk, and we're glad to have you here. But we're especially glad uh, that you continue your work with Amp Your Good, and, um, you know, you're trying to change the crowd-feeding method, system, uh, experience in the United States, and I imagine the world, but uh, you got to start at home first. So uh, explain to folks a little bit about Amp Your Good and, and what your model is all about. Sure. Well, what we did, what we've done at Ampure Good is we've uh, developed a way for groups who want to do food drives to raise food for food pantries, uh, soup kitchens, food banks, to run a kind of food drive that people can donate fresh fruits and vegetables to, instead of what people typically donate to uh, the kind of food drive that we're all familiar with, uh, canned goods. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And uh, the way that it works is we have an online model. So we have a website, and uh, groups contact us uh, to uh, run their drive using our website. And we we set up uh, information about their drive on a web page. And when they want people to donate to their drive, instead of asking people to bring uh, food items to a collection box someplace, they instead come to our site. And they can purchase the food that they want to donate right at our site. And then when a group's drive is over, we deliver all that food directly to uh, whichever hunger relief organization uh, that group is supporting with their food drive. That sounds like a, a, a lot of logistics there. Well, you know, there are some. And uh, when <laughs> for those uh, people who are familiar with uh, running food drives, it, uh, tra- what we refer to as a traditional food drive is really quite a bit of work, and most of it's the, the logistical work. It's yeah. putting boxes out, 
it's getting all the stuff that people put in those boxes over to a, a food pantry or a food bank. And uh, we handle all the logistics uh, ourselves uh, for the groups that are running drives. And, and frankly, we, we simplify it because uh, uh, what we do is when a drive is over, we uh, place an, uh, an order with uh, one of our suppliers to make that delivery of all that food uh, directly to that hunger organization that the drive is supporting. So we actually simplify the, the process. It's a bit of work, but a lot less than uh, traditional food drive. Who's, whose brainchild was this? Well, I guess I'd have to raise my hand and, and, and take responsibility <laughs> for that. There you go. You get yourself a ding, pal. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so the gift... that's, that's all you get from us, by the way. That's... <laughs> On a Sunday morning. <laughs> On a Sunday morning. <laughs> so the Give Healthy, then, is, is kind of a natural extension of that. Um... Well, you started, uh, you kind of expanded it this year. In May of this year, you started this hashtag program, hashtag Give Healthy. How is that different? What... Uh, does that have to do with amp your good? Yeah, well, and, and that's probably, you know, since I was uh, last on your show in December, uh, the Give Healthy movement is really our, our big news. Uh, amp your good and our platform launched about uh, two years ago, and we spent the first year getting uh, lots of groups around the country, uh, all the kinds of groups that you would think of that uh, may sponsor food drives, so schools and companies, uh, civic organizations, faith-based organizations. We had quite a few of those uh, kinds of groups uh, use our platform to run uh, what turned out to be very successful food drives. And we were really thinking a lot about uh, how to get information about what our, what our website does to a broader audience. And the reason for that is that uh, you know, donating food to food drives is, is one of the most common forms of giving in our country. And 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 and, 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 and without I'm sorry to interrupt you, but last year I think we established that what was it, 75 million people or something like that each year uh, uh, donate something to a food drive. Yeah, it's a really big number. It's we ridiculous. Think it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, it is. I mean, we think it could be as uh, many as 100 million people. There's wow. No one that really kind of keeps track of that, but just as one for instance. The largest food drive in the country each year is called Stamp Out Hunger. That takes place in May, and that's sponsored by uh, the post office and the uh, National Association of Letter Carriers. And they estimate that in their one drive, they have about 35 million people that donate food to it. And so that's just one drive. Uh, it's the biggest one, but there are millions of food drives conducted by all kinds of groups uh, each year. And so on one hand, it's great that so many people want to support hunger as a cause with food donations. Uh, the problem, though, is that the 40 million some odd uh, people who are uh, food insecure in our country, you know, that number varies from maybe 40 to 50 million, depending on whose uh, stats you're looking at. But, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous number of people. I, 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 I think I think we got to stop there, too. Uh, the idea that. The richest country in the history of of the world uh, has 40 to 50 million. We're talking 40 to 50 million people who are food insecure um, is a bit of an, an indictment of us, considering how rich we are. Uh, and, uh, you know, not to go into the politics of the thing, I think it's 
it's just a staggering number and 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 I'm and it needs to be brought up over and over and over again. Well, I think you're right. It's it's an embarrassing number for a society as wealthy as ours. <clears throat> Uh, to the extent that there is a silver lining in that, uh, uh, it is. It, it's. Uh, we think it's. It's great that so many people want to support that as a as a cause. And um, uh, in terms of food donation, uh, the the problem is that that population has a very high rate of diet related health issues, mm-hmm. from obesity, diabetes, uh, really all the most common uh, large scale diseases that we have. And so it turns out that a lot of the food that people donate to food drives, in fact, all of it is uh, non-perishable food items, and, and a lot of those non-perishables are, are cheap non-perishables, uh, highly processed non-perishables. And, yeah. and they're really not the food at all that you would want to be assisting someone who mm-hmm. already has uh, you know, diabetes yeah. or is dealing with obesity. Well, I, so, I, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things that's going on in our household right now is uh, because of a certain medical condition, uh, one of the people in the household is trying to cut down on sugar. And then you start, when you start looking at the ingredients, you know, and, and I, it's you, I, I'm, not, I'm not going down, even going down the salt road, which is, you know, you know, that's in everything. But if you uh-huh. look, you look at, the the ingredients mm-hmm. of especially processed but pretty much everything out there there's it's chock full yeah, bread, of everything. sugar sugar is in everything and if you're trying to avoid some of that you're going to have a really really hard time so what you're saying there Patrick is you know and I and I said this earlier in the program and I've said it before it's, if you're donating to folks and you got something that's been sitting mm-hmm. in your pantry for four years it's obviously you don't want to eat it so why would you give it to somebody else and on top of that as you're saying it's probably loaded with stuff that isn't going to help people who already have medical histories and have uh, uh issues that they need to deal with yeah, that's exactly right and and that's not to say that all non-perishables are bad there are many many of them are, are terrific uh but uh, the uh uh the, the the impetus for the Give Healthy movement was first just this um, uh, recognition and a desire to heighten public awareness that uh, hunger is a, is a health issue in our country. Mm-hmm. It's not a starvation issue. And if it's a health issue, then you can start to engage people around the idea that the quality of the food that you donate to help somebody really matters. And, uh, and, and then, of course, what our platform provides in terms of the kinds of uh, food donations people can make. It's an easy way to donate um, healthier foodstuffs, which are going to have a, a, a bigger and better impact yeah. on ultimately the people that you're trying to help when you make a food donation. So, Patrick, one of the, the things that I've read again and again on uh, the Give Healthy movement, it's now possible to donate fresh fruits and vegetables. How does that work? How do you, where do you, how does somebody donate that and how do they get there? to the food pantries and stay fresh? Sure. Well, it, it, it mostly relies upon uh, the, the technology we developed at Ampure Good in that the donation process, so the donation process for a traditional food drive, I think, is well understood. You mm-hmm. you bring some food to a collection box, you know, wherever that box is uh, situated. The donation process uh, through Give Healthy mm-hmm. is using the Ampure Good platform and 
so what you wind up doing as somebody who wants to donate is you go to a donation store on our site and you choose from the items that are presented to you on that store. Uh, it's like shopping on any website. And the food items that are presented are based on uh, data that we collect from food banks and food pantries in terms of what they want people to donate optimally. And uh, so you can uh, pick out and purchase uh, bags of oranges or bunches of carrots, uh, other kinds of fruits and vegetables. And so you're making a, a purchase online, mm -hmm. uh, much like you would buy anything online. Mm -hmm. And in this case, uh, the delivery of what you bought is going to be to that food pantry or food bank that you're supporting. So what we do is uh, for a, a given group that's uh, running a drive, uh, people are making donations to that during the drive, uh, typically maybe three or four weeks long. And then when that drive is over, we aggregate all the food that people have bought. So, you know, if, if uh, 10 people bought uh, a five pound uh, bag of apples each, <clears throat> then we're going to be delivering 50 pounds of apples you know, and uh, 100 pounds of carrots and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. So um, when the drive is over, uh, uh, we place an order with uh, one of our suppliers, and our suppliers are the same companies that supply uh, supermarket chains, uh, restaurants, um, nursing homes, other large purchasers or large-scale purchasers mm -hmm. of food. And they make a delivery to the food pantry or food bank, much as they might make a delivery to a supermarket or, you know, some other customer that they have. Um, and, and I would just point out that what that means is that the, uh, the, the produce that's arriving at, at a food pantry or food bank um, is as fresh as if you went to the store to buy it yourself. It's, so, it's, it's brand new. It's very, it's very organized shipment. Yeah. And, it, and it's available for distribution, of course, to the people that they support once they get there. So the idea is is not so much that you raid your own pantry and you grab the box and you throw it in, mm -hmm. you know, your own box and then deliver it yourself. It's that you can order this and make sure that people get this fresh because you've got suppliers that will deliver it to you and then the people who are looking for this fresh food will get it. It's it's a little bit different and recently we had uh the folks from Ample Harvest on the show which I'm sure you're aware of and and I would be surprised if you aren't coordinating in some way. But the ample harvest folks uh, are the ones that say, "Hey, if you're growing it in your backyard and you got extra, we'll connect you with a pantry in your area, and you can you can get it to them." But this is 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 different because this is more about a food drive, and this is about you putting an order online, and then the professionals step in, and mm -hmm. I hate to put it that way, but the professionals step in and they make and sure they make it happen, and they make it happen. Is, is that is that a fair assessment, uh, Patrick? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a perfect uh, description, Mike. Um, and uh, you know, I we as you mentioned, we we launched the Give Healthy movement in May uh, uh, after a couple of months of getting organized for that. So the the Give Healthy movement for us is a way to uh, educate the public uh, both about hunger as a health issue and that there's an easy way to donate fruits and vegetables. And uh, we we are one of uh, five uh, founding partners. Um, uh, I'll mention uh, the other ones, uh, some of whom, whom you know, but um, Wholesome Wave uh, is a, a terrific organization that works on healthy food access. Uh, Why Hunger, uh, mm -hmm. based in New York City, uh, you know, they, they, I think they just celebrated their 40th anniversary. They, they've been a long-time uh, 
uh, sort of player in the space of not just uh, trying to provide healthier food access, but working on uh, policy issues that go back to the heart of, you know, why do we have 40 to 50 million people who are struggling with uh, hunger? Mm -hmm. um, um, Ashley Koff approved. Uh, uh, Ashley Koff is a, uh, uh, an incredible uh, dietitian who helps us uh, shape how we think about some mm -hmm. healthy food. And uh, Food Tank, uh, who's responsible for uh, us meeting uh, back yeah, in yeah. yeah, I, I, I uh, interviewed. Yeah, they had a conference here in town, and I was doing the interviews, and you were there, and that's how we met. And that's a, and I, and I'm glad they were able to set that up. Well, we're we're just we got 60 minutes or 60 minutes, 60 seconds here. Uh, you just set up this year uh, with your your hashtag Give Healthy. You had a big uh, event in New York City where you were launching um, the initiative there. When do you come to Chicago? We're going to be in Chicago next year. I don't have a date yet, but uh, I, I want to mention uh, a, home, a hometown organization to you guys. So we we were very excited. We announced uh, uh, several initiatives with Feeding America. Uh, they're now part of the Give Healthy movement. And, and, and we've had just an incredible number of uh, organizations who are working on hunger relief, um, public health, that have become part of the movement, uh, really whose aim is to, to really change how food drives work so that uh, when people donate food, uh, they donate healthy food. All right. With that, Patrick O'Neill, thank you very much. For folks who want more information, go to ampyourgood.com. We'll talk again very soon, Patrick. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state -state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. I'm Mike Jackson, host of Mike Jackson Outdoors Radio, Sunday mornings, 7 to 9 a.m. here on 1590 WCGO. Hit it! 
if you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cutaway coat, perfect fits. Dressed up like a million. Oh, can we just play the whole thing? Come on, I just, like, except that if we play it, we, we need to be showing the video. You know what, at some point. All right, once more, here we go. Right. <laughs> Calm down in here. Calm down in well, here. Well, once we get you the Zoomy new it. system, we're going to be able to have that video I know. Video we, running. We'll, we're going to be able to show yeah. that video, and then Facebook will come and shut us down for real. So oh, yeah, that's right. We can't show that video. Yeah, because the Russians don't like it. Uh, okay, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in Kim Hankins uh, from McHenry County College. Kim, good morning. Good morning, Mike and Peggy. That's kind of a tough act to follow. But yes. Good morning. Yes. Do a little song and dance for us. That's okay. You can. Can you do something on the radio there? Not usually on Sunday morning. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. We'll show up with the with the top hats and the canes next Saturday. Next, then. Per, next weekend. Perfect. And Kim is the director of the Sustainability Center at McHenry County College. You uh, you got a busy week ahead of you, don't you? I do. Yeah, we got all those little last-minute things you could get to do at the expo, but we're excited about it. It should be a really fun day. It's kind of one of those things. The train sort of left the station, so it's going to happen, yeah. whether I finish <laughs> all the little stuff or not. <laughs> whether you want it to or not, and uh, Peggy and I will be there again this year. And this year, we are, uh, we're broadcasting live. Uh, 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, I, you do, I don't know if you know this, Kim. It's going to be our final Saturday show. So we're going out in a blaze of glory here, and uh, we're going to take you all down with us. So, <laughs> Yeah, Peggy mentioned that. That'll be fun. No, I'm so excited you guys are able to do that. And um, just make, honored to be your last guest. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure we have Internet connection, okay? Otherwise, Absolutely. And, yeah. and power. Otherwise, everything just goes to heck in a handbag. Yeah, those are important. Uh, yeah. So uh, this is your your tenth anniversary. Wait, you get a ding for that. Awesome. Of do of doing this. Uh, tell us what folks can expect. Oh boy, I'm not sure even where to start. We have gone a little bit crazy this year with our tenth anniversary. We've got lots of good stuff, but you know, you guys have been there before. You know, the goal really is to just help people make some different choices. We have a lot of different options. Everything from really simple energy stuff you can do to your home, Comet and uh, Nightcore and all those guys are going to be there with all their energy efficiency programs, uh, right on up to solar installers. So we've got Magitech and a couple other companies that are going to be there to talk to you about if you want to put solar on your home. So really from simple stuff all the way up in a bunch of different categories. Um, we've got some fun, some fun stuff, too. Uh, we've got this crazy... Uh, tiny house coming. We um, had a little glitch last year with our tiny house. That's right. Year. You guys, yeah. last year was bait and switch because well. <laughs> I came out to see the tiny house and it, and something went wrong and it wasn't in the parking lot. So uh, yeah. th- I think this... he had a flat tire or something. Getting right. is that the, what it was? The hitch broke on their way to uh, MCC. So this is actually a different company that's come to join us this oh. year. And uh, Tiny Cat Homes, they're coming, and she is so excited. We've chatted a few times this week, so. They'll definitely be here. Uh, they know what we went through last year, so we have, um, <clears throat> they'll definitely be here. Hers is fully decorated and uh, ready to go, so we're excited to um, have her be there. The tiny house folks get really <laughs> excited about that. So, Tiny houses. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. But the, also out in the parking lot with the tiny house, we've got some cool stuff going on. We've got a couple of um, 
solar and high mileage cars coming in from the University of Illinois. Got about 15 of their students coming to show off all their creations. So it's, it's always fun to talk to them. So, so these kids, these stu- I shouldn't say kids, students, uh, <laughs> yeah, these kids, these kids <laughs> these today kids. in their high mileage cars, what's that all about? Uh, so how, what are they getting out of them? Uh, you know, a uh, hundred miles a gallon, uh, or oh, no. no, no gas at all, uh, mm-hmm. using French fry uh, grease and getting 200 miles uh, a gallon, that kind of thing. Oh, they definitely get hundreds of miles a gallon in for their super mileage car. It'll be fun to see mm-hmm. because they love to talk about it. So they'll be excited to tell you guys all about it. I'll make sure they have a chance to swing you know yeah you. you know i actually want those guys on the show i think we they have they do have to swing by uh when we're on the air between uh, 10 and 11 a.m so let's set that up during the week uh, mm-hmm. I, will, I, uh, I i saw a report uh, recently that uh in terms of electric cars you know that that typically they'll go maybe a couple of hundred miles and then tesla said it had one that could go 600 and then i heard about a test being done out west where they had a car that was supposed to do i think i got an, a press release on it it was supposed to do a thousand miles on a charge wow yeah wow. a thousand miles on an, on one charge which is uh pretty phenomenal and then, you know and that's the way it's going to go yeah, that's, you need that's, that range that you do i mean if you want to go on a trip at all you know that's that's if you like to drive yeah or well even for the people that just it's inconvenient to have to go home, plug your car in, get somewhere, plug your car in, and you get longer range. It's a pretty amazing network, though, in Illinois, though. Yeah. There's a really, I had some folks come last year, and they drove up from the southern part of the state, and they had no problem. They mm-hmm. find those fast chargers yeah. along the highway. So we have a pretty good network. We will have definitely some electric cars. We have this great group of guys, the Fox Valley Electric Automobile Association. They're these guys are um, guys that have taken their regular cars and retrofitted them to be electric. So they're always fun to talk to because mm-hmm. they're sort of that tinkerer crowd, you know, that like to redo stuff. Um, I hate with, those people. You hate them? Uh, I hate those people, <laughs> the, the, that tinkerer crowd. Oh, those come tinkerers. On. Well, they're so creative. You know, it's always fun to see what they can do. But um, they, they, uh, we also have that Living Lightly tent that we got started last year. Mm-hmm. We've kind of expanded it this year where... People with like electric tools. Um, Home Depot is going to be there too with some of their line, but also some people that really, again, the tinkerer crowd that have kind of retrofitted tools to be a little bit more environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. Big, big, stinky ones like lawnmowers and leaf blowers and mm-hmm. snow, snow throwers and all that stuff. So <clears throat> um, it's fun to check those out too. So that's well, awesome. well, talk talk a little bit about the Living Lightly tent. I mean, it, folks come in there and they're basically telling stories about their experiences living a greener world, and, and the idea is uh, spread the word, it, it, and that's, I guess, kind of the, the easiest way to do it, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's a really nice way to just kind of chat with people about that have made some changes, and then if there's an opportunity to, if you want to just not make any changes yourself and you want to just purchase something, you can look at some a couple mm-hmm. different lines of tools that are a little less of a footprint, which is nice. And then, these, like I said, we'll have three or four um, gentlemen there that have done a lot of work to uh, redo their, some of their tools. And it's fun to talk to them because they're really proud of their work. And it's really interesting to see how they're able to make those changes. And that's really what, like I said, what the X was all about. It's just offering people ideas to make little changes that all add up. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you and I were talking about as you were planning this is the new Art Expo that yes, you're adding. we have um, a special 10th anniversary artist walk. So we invited some specific artists that have obviously a link back to our sustainable world. And so we've got about a dozen that will be 
kind of right around the gym inside. Uh, we've got pottery. We've got a, a woman who recycles, uh, repurposes vintage fabric into all sorts of cool stuff. Got some nature photography. Of course, a couple of jewelry people that making repurposing jewelry, different items into some cool jewelry. So it should be fun. We've never done this part before, so um, it should be fun to have all these new faces and mm-hmm. some new energy in the hallways, too, next to the gym. So that'll be great. Uh, and you're also, okay, the thing that, that kind of caught my attention was the fall decor slash pumpkin composting. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Okay, I understand the, the, the pumpkin composting. Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, can I bring bags of acorns? Uh, well, yeah, I suppose you can. Well, are you talking about like the corn st- stalks and yeah, the corn cobs yeah. you put up on your door and, and you want to mm-hmm. compost that stuff? And so the hay bales and, you know, all that stuff that we get out and then you look at after Halloween and go, well, now what am I going to do? No, 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 no. See, the hay bales, that's got to go into your garden. If you've got extra hay bales, I'll take one, you know. Cause I <laughs> all right, we'll set those oh, yeah. aside for you. Yeah, and, you know, you that, that's because if if you're going to be like me and planting things way too late in the season, I gotta I gotta mm-hmm. mulch them, and the best way to do that is if is with some straw, straw bales, yeah, straw or hay. I guess there'll probably be straw bales is is what yeah. we're talking about at those. Yeah, probably. So <laughs> you should know the difference. So we should all know the difference. Are you composting those on campus? Or are those being taken somewhere? They're being taken. Uh, we work uh, with through the McKinney County Department of Health, and they work with Prairie Land Disposal that does. Um, they uh, <clears throat> take the compost and, and do it in a big site, so they'll take it for us, so which will be great. That is good. And, you know, the other people who are doing this, uh, and I guess it'll be next week also, uh, is Scarce out in DuPage County. Kay McKean and her organization, they've been doing pumpkin. Uh, I, did they start last year or two years ago? Anyway, they do pumpkin recycling, uh, composting, and uh, they they get thousands and thousands of pounds of pumpkin mm-hmm. that is disposed of properly. So rather than smashing it against your neighbor's house, um, you, sh- you should probably... Although, if you smash it against your neighbor's house, it's going to fall into the garden, and it'll just yeah, decompose, there and there you go. As, as opposed to last year, I remember posting on Facebook pumpkins sitting at the curb next to the garbage can. So that's... Yeah, yeah don't, not good. don't put it in the landfill. That's so dumb. That is just dumb. Uh, so bring it to a McHenry County College next Saturday uh, or get it to Scarce out in DuPage. I don't know what's going on in Cook. There must be something. We'll, we'll have to. St- we'll you know, I, on I've already one. started one uh, gardening thing this year with the, the, the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. I'm not starting another initiative. It's yeah. just that, that no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so uh, tell us about uh, getting in, where it is, all that good stuff, Kim. Well, the whole thing takes place at the college, which is out here in Crystal Lake. Um, you can get all the address and all that good stuff is right on our website. It's fairly easy. It's www.mchenry.edu backslash green. And then you'll be able to click on the box about Expo. But it runs from 10 to 3 on Saturday. It's free, obviously. We'll be, you won't be able to miss us because uh, the parking lot is going to be full of stuff, including a tiny house. And uh, the gym will be full of people. <clears throat> um, and then even if you come in on the other side of the campus, the one thing I want to mention is we have this really cool award-winning traveling exhibit that's visiting us and will open to the public on the day of the expo called Sustainable Choices. Okay. And it's a series of kiosks and displays about different rooms in our house and different opportunities. There's one on lawn care. There's one on a the bathroom. There's one on laundry and energy and just a little bit a bit more about each thing so just some stuff to think about kind of food for thought exhibit mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I hate to correct you, but uh, there's no such thing as backslash anymore. It's all oh. it's all forward slash. I'm, I'm sorry. That, that's okay. Slash. But that's like slash. a hold. That's slash. like a holdover from the '90s. You know. <laughs> Well, okay, so we're not going to talk about how old I am then. Let's move right on. Well, you're at least 20 years old, so there you go. There you go. Now I'm, go- I'm going with that. That sounds good. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kim Hankins, thank you so much. We'll see you next Saturday. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will be out at McHenry County College, the 10th Annual Green Living Expo. We will be on the air from 10 to 11, but the expo goes from 10 to 3. All kinds of exhibits, cool stuff. You're going to learn a ton. You can get some great stuff. My sweetie Kathleen's going to be selling jewelry. Um, and uh, another friend of mine's got some stuff there, too. So come on out. We'll talk to you uh, next week, Kim. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Peggy. Bye-bye. Thanks, Kim. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Peggy Malecki. How would you like to drive to the Garden Center in a 2017 Tesla Model X Sport Utility Vehicle? The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a Tesla to help fund their work in advancing clean energy development. Each ticket is $100, but you can get four tickets for $300. But hurry, only 2,500 tickets will be sold, and you can buy as many as you like. The drawing is December 7th, and you don't need to be present to win. Go to IllinoisSolar.org for details. Here's the bad news. One out of every six Americans doesn't know where their next meal will come from. What's the good news? You can help. This year, instead of decorating your holiday table with flowers, use an arrangement of fresh, uncut fruits and veggies, which can be donated to a local food pantry. Share a photo of your centerpiece with the hashtag AmpleCenterpiece, and you could win a $50 gift certificate to Gardner Supply Company. Go to AmpleHarvest.org holiday to learn more. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health and lifestyle coaches, yoga classes, green landscapers, even home improvement and energy efficiency experts. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies each month from more than 1,100 locations throughout the city and suburbs because they know it's the best source for information about healthy, green living in Chicago. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. Hi, this is Bill from Playtime with Sid and Bill featuring Carrie Kendall. One to three every Sunday right here on 1590 WCGO. You know, they don't make them like Little Richard uh, no. anymore. No, he broke the mold. Yeah, well, there were several of them, including uh, Fats Domino, yeah. who, who passed this week. Chuck Berry. And Chuck Berry passed recently. Mm-hmm. And man, there's just there was some good music coming out of the 50s. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we don't have a lot of time here, so let's immediately go to the phone line and bring in uh, our friend Margaret Frisbee, uh, who is the executive director of Friends 
of the Chicago River. Margaret, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Great. I, I haven't talked to you on the show in forever. Um, I think the last time you were on with me was back at uh, Progresso Radio, and so that was a while ago. She needs to come by and come in studio. Yeah, you do. You need to come by up to to Evanston and, and be at the 1590 WCGO studios with us and uh, wax poetic on things that are happening with Friends of the Chicago River. You, are you cool with that, uh, Margaret? Yeah, what a wonderful invitation. I would love to share our news and enthusiasm for the river. Okay, because that's the good stuff. Here's the bad stuff. The reason you're on the show is the bad stuff, uh, because sometime last week, and it's interesting because it depends on the story you read, uh, the article you read, uh, somebody says, well, you know, I saw I actually saw one that said this uh, noticed they noticed a, an oil slick on Thursday. Somebody else said Wednesday. Somebody said Monday, Monday. Some people had noticed it as early it, it as was Monday. The, it was the rowers that I think was uh, St. Ignatius. And they brought their their boats out of the water and they, they were covered or they had oil. Yeah, on they them. had to wash them. They put them in the next day. Right. They're like, what yep. is this? Yeah. And then suddenly ducks and geese started getting covered with it and turtles and that sort of thing. Uh, and, of course, it's in Bubbly Creek, which, uh, as you know, Margaret, does not have a wonderful history anyway. Uh, and, the, and the reason I know about Bubbly Creek, which is a tributary of the Chicago River or an offshoot or whatever you want to call it, because nothing, you know, resembles what it used to look like 150 years ago. Um, our buddy Mike Bryson, who's a professor of sustainability studies at Roosevelt, University takes his students on canoe rides in Bubbly Creek, and he explains to them all about Bubbly Creek. And the reason it's called Bubbly Creek, if I've got this right, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Margaret, is when they used to do the tanning and they and they had the skins, they would throw them in the bottom, and, and then as the oxygen or the chemicals were released, whatever, it would bubble up to the surface, and that's why they called it Bubbly Creek. Am I close to that, Margaret? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, frankly, it's, it was the stockyard, so there was more butchering happening in Chicago than anywhere else in the whole country. So pretty much every single thing that wasn't edible or usable was basically bunged into the creek and so it still bubbles today because all that organic matter is it's still down there at the bottom of the creek right yep. it's still at the bottom of the creek yeah and, and now there's oil and on now, the top and now of there's it. oil on the top of it what happened what do you what what have you heard about this well here's what i understand we don't know the source of the oil spill in bubbly creek what i understand is pretty much what you guys said on monday the rowers started to notice there was a, there was you know gunk on their boats but sadly no one thought to call anybody and i think that's just a measure of not really understanding how far the rivers come, that mm -hmm. it's really unacceptable that there's oil on your boat. So it took a <laughs> yeah. couple of days, I think, for whatever caused the spill to accumulate enough oil where, you know, birds started getting injured and people really started to notice a change. And so it was several days in the making. On Wednesday, uh, federal officials started getting calls. They started clean up, as, you know, early on Thursday. And we've had EPA, uh, USDA, the Water Reclamation District, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and the Coast Guard all involved out there doing what they could. And they've contained this bill so it's not spreading. And they're cleaning it up. They're, tr they're trying to find the source. Um, and they're capturing wildlife as best as they can to get them to any animals they can find decontaminated. Well, I, I, let's stop you right there. You said they're spreading the uh, slick so it's not – I mean, they're, they're, they're containing the slick so it's not spreading. But the problem is – you guys don't know where it came from. Nobody knows where it came from yet, so it's possible that there's more oil going into the creek, but it's possible that it was a one-time event. So well, I don't think that anyone thinks that it's ongoing. They seem to be talking about hundreds of gallons of oil, which is absolutely terrible. 
but nobody's saying it's increasing. And so I think it's a singular event mm-hmm. that they're dealing with. Um, but the problem is, is it, you know, was it a broken pipe, you know, an underground tank? Did somebody Someone dump something it. and think they'd get away with it? And that's what I think US EPA, well, I mean, I know that's what they're doing, is they're trying to figure out how to, what the source was so they can make sure it doesn't ever happen again. That's, uh, and you and I uh, had a little chat yesterday when we were lining up this segment, uh, Margaret, and um, the idea that somebody might go in there, I'm hoping that it was accidental because the idea that somebody would go in and actually dump this stuff in and say, well, you know, because this is what we used to do. This is, this is our history of our, our country and, and the world is like you dump stuff into the nearest body of water and then walk away and no one's looking. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, exactly right. We do have a long and sordid history, but hopefully we've moved on past that. And as you say, hopefully it was, you know, it was an accident that we can rectify as opposed to find some bad guy that didn't care. Uh, well, the other thing, though, is even if it's an, a, a pipe leak or of some kind, that entity, that business, whatever, needs to know about this and uh, unfortunately be held accountable. For that. Right. Uh, no, absolutely, because people need to maintain their systems. They need to take mm-hmm. care of stuff. Environmental disasters all over the country happen because people aren't paying attention. And when you talk about national pipelines and all those kinds of things that aren't my area, but you know that not everything's being done to prevent it because we see these spills across the whole country. Right. Yeah, and there's no and budget really, in many we cases. We need to work harder to prevent this stuff. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the Sun-Times had uh, a wonderful editorial about this saying, uh, there is a reason why we need the Environmental Protection Agency and why we need an EPA Region 5, and the government is threatening to shut that down. Uh, and, of course, you were out there and saw that the EPA had people out there. So without uh, uh, the EPA interve- intervening and getting in, we don't have that help. Then it's left all up to local authorities. So, right, and exactly. And the fact is, is that EPA is trained to respond to this kind of thing, and so they're doing what they're trained to do. And if we don't have people on the ground, it's going to be a lot worse before it gets a lot better. Yeah. So, are, are, are what's your plan? Are you going? Are you monitoring yourself? Do you have uh, your people monitoring as well to see what's going on? Well, we've you know we've been out a couple times. We're keeping in touch with the Water Reclamation District and the EPA. Um, I actually had a really cool offer. Oil Dry Corporation called me up and said, "Hey, we make the kind of products that would absorb this oil." Mm-hmm. And so I have passed along connections to US EPA to see if they need any pro bono service from Oil Dry. Um, and you know, so there's people and people are calling us about how they can help with the wildlife. And uh, so we intend to reach out to Flint Creek tomorrow to see if they need more volunteers. So there's been an outpouring of support for the river, which mm-hmm. has been very exciting. And I, I think with some of the uh, newspaper coverage, it's brought it to more people's attention who may have thought, well, nobody dumps things in the river anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's a wake-up call, right? We have to be paying attention. And I think one of the strange symbolic parts of this is that truly people are outraged. Mm-hmm. And we're here, you know, that when we were out on Friday, there were seven news cameras there. I mean, people were out and paying attention and the Chicago River, you know, they didn't used to care that much. And so we had a big flooding incident a couple of weeks ago. People really paid attention. Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, it's the times have changed, and the river is starting to be treated like the natural resource it deserves to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And and uh, just uh, several weeks ago, you – we got like one minute left. Uh, several weeks ago, you had some officials jumping into the Chicago mm-hmm. River to show that disinfection is working and that the river is actually being cleaned up. 
Yeah, no, thank you for bringing that up. It was terrific fun. We had Congressman Quigley, Congresswoman Jankowski, Tony Preckwinkle. So the next time you tell your politician, would, yeah, why don't you re- jump re- in the river? Remember the Mike Novak show. No, just jump in the river, and, and then they will do it. So Yeah, yeah absolutely. And- no, everyone had a good time. They were really pleased. People were just beaming. It was a really fun day. And we, you know, we created a lot of ambassadors for the river that day, and so we're beyond thrilled about how far we're excellent, coming. Excellent, excellent. Well, next time, uh, invite me. I'll, I'll, All right, we'll I'll, do. Absolutely, we'll do it live. I'll push Definitely. some of those uh, politicians into the river, and, the, and <laughs> Not then those ones—they were—they're on our side. And and I, and then I'll jump. Okay, I'll push. Right. I'll push them first, and then I'll go <laughs> in. Right. Okay, you can bring some other ones to push because the people who already jumped in are. All right, our Margaret Frisbee, right. friends of the Chicago River. Thank you so much. We're going to continue the talk, and you're going to come down to the studio soon. You bet. All right, thank you so much. Captain's log, stardate four two three two six point one. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Here's old Blue Eyes. Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft Get it? Okay. Now we're back live, and um, if you folks are, oh, you you haven't uh, fired up the. Uh, no, I, I see. This was the trick or treat on Mr. Zuckerberg, but on us too. That that we didn't have the music. Oh, that's right. You were you were going to hoping to do it during the music. Okay, well, just if you got it, we're going to fire it because we need you folks. If you're watching on Facebook Live. Uh, and I know some of you will be three, two, one, and go. You're going to see something right in the center of the console here, and that buzz you hear is not the electronic hum, which I'm getting through my headset. Yeah. But hold on, I'm going to bring my microphone over. And I'm not, no, I'm not. I was hearing it earlier. Hey, uh, uh, Brandon. Settle I'm, down. I'm going to I'm going to put this mic over there, and I want you to bring it up. See if we can get this. I barely hear it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, he's going to shake things up a little. <laughs> oh, well. I thought we could get the bees, but we've got... Uh, <laughs> that's okay, but they're there, and they're, they're moving, and, and they're live, and Bill Whitney is here in the studio We have with a us. lot of guests in the studio this morning. <laughs> How many are in that uh, little thing there, Bill? Uh, probably about 1,000, 1,500. Not that many. Not that many. So that's we only tiny. have 1,500 people or, or, or guests in the that's studio here. Okay, so that's a record. We've got 1,500 guests in one studio this morning. All right. Uh, and uh, we will be talking to Bill in uh, in, in just a second uh, about his work uh, 
with bees and, and the kind of stuff that he does to to rescue bees, to find them. He's in search of the perfect queen. You got to love that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's all coming up. Uh, one of the things I wanted to call to folks' attention, uh, first of all, let's remind folks that next Saturday we'll be live, and we talked about it in the first mm-hmm. hour, live uh, at the uh, McHenry County College Green Expo, 10th Annual Green Living Expo, uh, and uh, that's 10 to 11. So come on out. Be part of the show. It'll be our last Saturday show, and then we sort of slide all Sunday, all, all Sunday, all the time. Sunday, Sunday. And um, everything okay there, Bill? Keeping an eye on them? Yeah, well, you know, I just pulled this out of the hive. I didn't even check to see if we had a queen or not. So I was. So, it, I was just oh, so there might be a queen in there? There, there and, could be. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that. So <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's checking to see if there's a queen in there. Uh, did you see the story about the Apple Store on yes. the Chicago River? That the shiny new one, the genius, the multi-zillion-dollar store. That's right. The geniuses who designed that with glass walls and lighting it at night and trees on the inside, and then birds are now flying into the glass and killing themselves. Oh no! Nice going, Apple. Good job. Give those idiots a ding. Um, and you know, they. I saw. I, I posted it on Facebook. On the show page yesterday, and the designer said, "Well, we didn't think there'd be a bird problem, really." And how? And and how? Let's see. It, all glass, trees inside the building, inside. lights left on at night. Hmm. A bird migratory route. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, Nimrods. Nice job, fa- uh, Apple. We're in the city. There's no birds. God. <laughs> Pigeons. So and, and 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 it's a store. I think I'm a little light here now that uh, I'm not sure. I need to bring. Let's bring mine up just a little bit. Thanks, Brandon. Um, I think that, you know, it's a store I'm never going to walk into, <laughs> so I get to, to yell at them. But come on, guys. Really? Really? You, did, you, you didn't do your homework. That's, and that's, that's, that's really the truth. It's like when, when they design these things, they're thinking of the technology. They're not thinking about the natural world. Well, guess what? As we just found out, with Margaret Frisbee from Friends of the Chicago River. We have a natural world, even in urban areas. We have ducks and geese that get coated with oil and turtles that get coated with oil. We have birds that fly mm-hmm. into glass, into windows, because they think, well, they get confused and it's night and it's a migratory route. So, And it's migration season. And it, yeah, and it's migration. So, and, Hello. And, and the best part of it. And I and I, I should get the uh, exact quote. I don't have it right in front of me. If I could, I can find it. I got sixty I'm seconds. Here. I'm not going to find it in sixty seconds. But basically, they talked to the Apple people and they said, "Oh, we'll um, we'll try to uh, turn well, down." Well, they said they're going to try to dim the lights. Yeah. I, I'm opening it right now. Let's you know, they're going to try to dim the lights. They're going to try. That's not good enough, folks. Don't you either dim them or not dim them? Quote, Apple plans to dim the store's lights Friday night and will continue to do so during the fall migration season. And then what, turn it back up? Something like that. So Chicago bird collision monitors have been out there. So Maybe we need to talk with them. Good for the Chicago bird collision monitors. I'm glad that they're on the job. Here's the quote. Starting tonight, at least until we can get through the migratory season, we'll get the lights down as much as we can. As much as we can. There's, what does that even what mean? Is, uh, that doesn't mean anything, Ariana. It as means nothing. It means we don't care. All right. that's uh, It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're going to stop ranting and talking about bees <laughs> next, so stick with us.
Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. put a spell on you. Because you're mine. Stop the things you do. <laughs> What's up? I just had to play a little bit of that. All right. Screaming Jay Hawkins. A uh, little. Uh, the hollow. one and only Screaming One Jay. and all. And the one and only. I put a spill on you. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. Thank you for listening, all our folks. Uh, and, then, of course, the, the minute I said that, somebody drops off Facebook. So uh, that's the way it works. Um, in the studio with us right now, Bill Whitney. Uh, he is the owner-operator of City Bee Savers and... Thank you so much for being here, Bill. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Peggy. And you brought you. a few of your friends here. Yep. About, uh, I'm guessing, 1,500. Wow. I didn't count them this morning. <laughs> they're, they're moved too fast. So uh, let me ask you here. You've got this. You, you yanked this out of a hive. Uh, at this time of year, what are, what are honeybees doing? Because we're headed into the fall. Uh, how much longer are they going to be engaged in their work? Well, uh, that's an interesting two questions, and a great question, actually. <laughs> they're, they're winter clustering right now. 
Okay. Uh, they're still uh, gathering as much as they possibly can. I can see can. little parkas in there and everything. Yeah. Starting, <laughs> starting to get into one. Well, you know? they had actually a fascinating uh, yeah. uh, technique for enduring the winter. So cold, cold is not an issue. But being a fat bee and having been fed correctly in August, No September. pejoratives, please, for our bee friends. <laughs> <laughs> fat bee is actually a good term. Oh, that's a good thing. Yes, okay. right, right. They like that. And... Uh, and so they have a they have a really neat survival technique that they use with their clustering, uh, but they're still uh, you can see if you can uh, it may be hard to see, but in a lot of these cells here, they're still putting some nectar and pollen. Right, right. Some are are filled and some are not filled, so they're right. they're still working it. They're still, but, but the point right. is, they're not foraging anymore, right? They, or they or, are. They are. Yeah, they're still foraging. It's okay. cold. Right now, so it's 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 a little tougher because if it gets down, dips. What's the temperature at which uh, they they just get too sluggish to do that? And sluggish is the word because they're uh, exothermic, so they they um, are insects indeed. Right. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know the answer to that question. I know when it's fifty degrees out, they in the in midwinter, they do what's called a cleansing flight. Uh, uh-huh, they they don't is... go to the bathroom in the hive, so they uh, they go out and. <laughs> Do their cleansing thing. Wow! So fifty degrees is okay. Yeah. So they uh, can, they, but that's not them working and getting uh, pollen, pollen and nectar and and that. It sort is of, this uh, this even, even just the cleansing uh, flight. They they definitely do the cleansing flight, but in uh, this year, this is, was a little bit unusual. In the end of January, I saw them bringing pollen in. Into the hive. Wow. wow. Where and, were they getting it? Ah, good question. So, <laughs> I, I, which hazel maybe? I don't know. There's, I there's don't some, know. There's I some things that bloom hazel, in, in, in the winter. Yes, right. Very, few, pussy very few in this in this mm-hmm. area, yeah. Pussy willows, there's the crocuses, the maples but bloomed a little bit early. little early, January yeah, for crocuses. January. They, they brought know. in pollen. Their pollen sacks were full. I was shocked. The hmm. queens, it usually doesn't start happening until... Mid-February. Queens yeah. start laying eggs. They need pollen. It's their protein source. How many uh, eggs will a queen lay uh, in a given time? What, uh, maybe over a lifetime. Do you know? Uh, over a lifetime, about a million. Ah! Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> a daily, oh. about 1,000, 1,500. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Wow. Per day. Per day. And, and, and how long is is the lifetime for uh, a queen? The queen... Um, Viable egg laying production. Uh, it it. Uh, we just had a discussion about this. I was just down in Bloomington, in Illinois. Yeah, you were there yesterday. Yesterday, My all goodness. day long. Yeah, and that was one of the topics that a healthy honeybee queen used to be viable for three years. Mm-hmm. A lot of the commercial guys are replacing their queen uh, every six months. A queen can live up to seven years. Wow. Six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not a good egg layer. Typically, uh, beekeepers in our area, the queens start uh, waning in their egg laying production in about 18 months. So the bees will either supersede her, replace her, or the beekeeper, if they're on top of it, will replace her with a survivor chicagoland survivor queen and that's why uh you're here today to right. talk about uh bill bill survivor honeybee he, we, we ran into bill uh at uh the scarce green fest in september 
Uh, and uh, Bill sent me a little card. I got to talk to you before you before you leave. And he wanted to talk about queens and talk about bees. And I said, "Hey, come on down." I didn't realize you'd you'd bring a thousand or to fifteen hundred yeah. of your best friends here. I'm, I'm hearing them, and I don't know if you can hear them. I'm okay, I'm definitely hearing them. Well, you can't, if you get close enough, and, if... and you got to have the hole in the in the thing pointing. Nah, that's not going to work because its no. microphone's not high enough, yeah. and Brandon has gone. Brandon's to... <laughs> putting out a dumpster <laughs> he's, fire. He's putting out dumpster <laughs> fires in the back. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, before we get into the whole queen thing, let's talk about you and your business because you've been doing this for 25 years, but you didn't do this professionally until the last three. Why that's, did you? Why that's did you? Correct. Why did you wait wait so long? Uh, I didn't wait. Um, I never intended to do this as a profession. So this is this is uh, accidental uh, business. Is yeah, it ain't that the way? Right. And that, so it's a warning to anybody who has a passionate hobby: be very, very careful. It, you could accidentally wake up one day and discover you have a full-time profession. Unless your passionate hobby, like mine, is sleeping, and then you just don't wake up. That's, <laughs> that's a different thing. But I'm bummed. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Where's my... There we go. All right. uh, 25 years as a beekeeper. Um, I love minutiae. I love understanding. Honeybee society is is astonishingly fascinating. I mean, it, I, can't, it, I can't express it. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear that, uh, and 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 we still don't know a lot of things about their society. It's very complex. It's very balanced, and uh, and the more and and when I started, the internet really didn't have any information because the internet was basically this is page one, read until page twenty five, you know, to the <laughs> end. And uh, so there wasn't anything, and uh, uh, no so, search functions. Those didn't exist yet. So I wasn't smart enough to to know that there may be small booklets to read for new beekeepers. Yeah. So I read the thirteen hundred page "They Dance the Hive and the Honeybee," and uh, I just got uh, enamored with honeybee uh, culture, life, their body, their physi- phys- you know, the physiological, the, mm-hmm. the flowers, and so on. And so other other beekeepers saw the excitement. I think. Uh, neighbors, family, or I didn't give them a choice. I don't know which. <laughs> and they started beekeeping, and everybody started asking me, hey, would you help us with these bees? Here, Here's this is going on. What's happening? Can you come and took it, take a look at them? And it, and it got out of hand. So about three summers ago, I said, ah, what the heck? I just had a great uh, illustration job, animation job, which is what I did my – previous life i can't believe you would leave animation to work with bees oh animation i, is I, keep, I keep telling it's this fun. guy he's got yeah. to do he's got to give me an avatar i need an avatar for my <laughs> my website okay we could maybe we'll barter out. we'll barter <laughs> right. on that because that's that's i guess i read an article the other day that that's what millennials do now they don't get paid for anything they just barter everything is that true ariana is that what i'm doing here yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. that's exactly what you're doing right. so, so it must be true well, so, so I didn't. Th- I didn't leave animation. I just haven't found a way back in yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so I decided to take one summer off and just do honeybee stuff because it right. just seemed fun. Yeah. And uh, and you couldn't get out of that. I mean, you it, just you it, just it, went it, all summer, didn't you? Exactly. It was. I think I told you it was like being in a, a tumble dryer for six months. Uh huh. What, it, what and, do you mean by that? I'm well, not sure. It, it was just so much activity. If you're in a dryer with a lot of laundry, yeah, clean laundry, and uh, not in my case, 
and everything's falling all around you. I, it, it just one thing after another, all these things that unexpected happened, and I had to address each one. And they were cool, and they were fun, and and that's why I just got kind of caught up into it. And then in the fall, I woke up and said, well, i got a plan for next summer, and uh, I don't have time to do animation, so I'll just plan this winter for next summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it turned out, the next summer, I didn't really plan well enough, <laughs> and uh, I jumped into the dryer, and I came back <laughs> out again in the fall. And there you were, but you were squeaky clean and 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 uh, fluffed and fluffed. Yes, yes. fluffed. We'll, uh, we'll go fluffed. And <laughs> and so there you are. And so that led. So you started this business, and the business is not just you in your own little backyard. You're out there in public, and you're 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 managing swarms and getting bees out of people's homes, and you're setting up hives for them on rooftops and in and you know downtown on West Madison and some of these buildings because it's very trendy now to have your own bees on top of your high-rise. And because then they can get, and if you're watching on Facebook, you get this little jar of honey, and that's, you know, your uh, $150,000 condo. No, your your $1 million condo gets you a jar of honey each year. Uh, And uh, But that's people think that's really cool, don't they? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In a word, yes. Yeah. Uh, so you're all over the place, and you're teaching people uh, how to do this stuff. It's. I hope you're making some money at this. Uh, yes. Okay. The, the, the answer is <laughs> There you yes, go. All right. right. The good. mortgage is paid up. The heat and electricity oh, yeah. does not call me. All right. Uh, so, so in, yeah. in other words, this is more lucrative than radio, basically. Oh, oh, far more. Far okay. more. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to start working yeah. on the bees now. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, we're going to start putting them right it, here in the studio. Okay, we're just going to stack them. It, here it, in the studio. You're not going to get rid. Well, you could. I I'm not going to. Because no, that's no, no. Goal, that's but, not, that's not the idea. But, but the, you can you make know, a living. The at fact it. that you're doing so right. much of this in so many different places is astounding. Um, and it's. Um, uh, and and the other thing that's going on, so and we'll get to again, we'll get to the queens in a second. But let's look at the the people talking. When I first started in this talking about horticulture and related issues uh, twenty years ago, uh, bees really got on my radar. Honeybees mm-hmm. really got on my radar in twenty oh six when we had what was called colony collapse disorder that's what it was called at the time and now if people go well maybe it wasn't that you know it's it's hard to know what it was but suddenly uh uh colonies started not making it through the winter in not just north america but ar- around the world although it's worse in some areas than others um and uh, i was and, and i put it on my blog if you go to mikenovak.net this week's show you'll you'll see the blog uh, and and I wrote about. In fact, I've got it. If we got it up here, hold on. Let me bring this up. I was writing about it uh, in the in the blog today, and you had some information about this. Oh, I love that photo, by the way, of those bees of the swarm. Yeah, of the swarm. That is uh, very very cool. That was in Chicago, right down in Chicago. Uh, but uh, honeybee losses nationally were thirty three percent in twenty seventeen. And oh, 44. No, you say 2016. I was looking at I, this, oh, this oh. story here. Oh, oh, okay. All right, this yeah. this story, this is actually in 2017. Oh, it's okay. gone down to 33%. 44% was in 2016. So oh, that right. number is getting better. 
as you know, and 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 uh, without going into the reasons why, but you said in northern Illinois, the loss is closer to eighty percent. That's correct. Yes. Wow. Why? Yeah. Why is are we? Is it just the northern climbs, or is that Illinois in particular? Uh it's it's Chicagoland area dynamics, particular. Um, and and how big is the Chicagoland area in that? Six counties. Okay, I so would you're say. just looking more the metro area. That's all that I know of. Okay. Right. I know, and and there's very particular dynamics that have to do with that, um, uh, which I'd like to talk about. Okay. It's into the survivor queen. And That's it's right. Sustainable beekeeping yeah. for the area. Um, but But anyway. the thing is, what's interesting about honeybees also, the fact that we have all these managed colonies, and, and, and the, when folks were talking about this thing, CCD, or colony collapse disorder, which some people claim doesn't even exist now. Um, a lot of, there was a lot of information and a lot of uh, theories about why it was happening. And it boiled down to a lot of things. There's, you know, <laughs> there's no one thing. And some of it is low-grade pesticide um, exposure, uh, mites, uh, 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 fungal diseases, uh, stress, uh, what am I missing in there? There's, there's uh, loss of habitat. Loss of habitat, but that's not so much for honeybees, is it? Oh, big time! I yeah. mean, that's native bees. I mean, these are not native bees; these are European bees, basically. They're primarily European Italian honeybees, right? right. But uh, loss of habitat is a big issue because uh, factory farmers, you know, uh, a, a thousand acres. Of- well, I mean, honeybees can go out and they'll forage in our. Uh, you know, landscapes here, but they don't have to have natives. Who doesn't have to have the native? honeybees? Native plants. They no, de- no, no. I'm talking about native. I'm talking Definitely. about talking about native honeybees, or native pollinators, native bees. Honeybees, not- carpenter bees, lot of carpenter bees, uh, bumblebees. I mean, um, there there are people. Lot, there yeah. are people who will say that native bees. Okay, not mm. to start a controversy here, but there are people who say that native bees are better pollinators than the managed honeybee colonies. They're great pollinators for different plants. Yeah. So they all have their uh, niches and functions and capabilities. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Bumblebees in one type of flower, honeybees can't mm-hmm. pollinate, vice versa. All right, it's Bill Whitney from City Bee Savers. We're continuing this conversation. You're welcome to join us, 847-475-1590. You're not going to call. I don't care. But you can write to us as well. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So, ditch the plastic water bottles, folks. Choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. 
Hey, Ron Cowgill. Yes, Mike Novak. How would you like to drive the safest, quickest, and most capable sports utility vehicle in history? Legally? Of course legally. In fact, you would own it. Legally? Stop saying that. I'm talking about the Illinois Solar Energy Association, which is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X. You mean the one that comes standard, all-wheel drive, seating for up to seven adults, and up to 295 miles of range on a single charge? Yes. The one that can accelerate from zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds? Yes. How did you know that? I'm reading the script. Oh, well, then you probably know that only 2,500 tickets will be sold. They're 100 bucks each. You can purchase as many as you like, and the drawing is December 7th. Do I have to be present to win? Nope. Do I have to live in Illinois? Nope, just the lower 48 states. Is this the part where we read the disclaimer stuff really, really fast? Nah, this is where we tell people to get details at IllinoisSolar.org. You're good. Yeah. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? Well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn and one big eye. Like a Mr. Shaking in the city. It looks like a purple people eater to me. It was a one-eyed, one-horn flying purple people eater. One-eyed, one-horn flying this, the second ice show I was in, this is what I skated to. Oh, no. You're kidding me. I was a little green purple eater, and we had purple people eaters. I was a little green purple eater. Uh, people eater. It's all about the beat. It's, oh, dear. Okay. And, and who did that song? Do you have any idea? I don't remember. Sheb Woolley. Yes, Sheb Woolley. Okay. There you go. Here's a ding for the late, great Sheb. Well, I don't he, know if the bees like the dinging next uh, to them. You know, one of the things I want to say about the bees, and we'll get into the whole queen thing in a, in a second, because we could go on about bees forever, and since I'm highly distractible. Uh, and I'm like uh, Ariana. She says, I can't stop looking at the bees. And if you're just listening and you're not watching on Facebook, uh, you don't know that uh, we have right in the studio, Bill Whitney brought in. What do you, what do you call this box? What's that called? It's an observation hive. An observation. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you slide in uh, one of these into a hive, what's that called? The the, the single box that goes in. Well, it's, it's this is this size is a brood box. Okay. And then, um, uh, and it's called a deep. Okay, because we and, were trying to figure that out, Peggy and I, yesterday. I said, I don't know the name of it. It's something you slide it in. It's, it's part a frame. Of the, it's a frame. That's it. Yep. You guys mm-hmm. call it a frame. Correct. And I couldn't remember what the, what the name was. Um, I'm really bad at uh, pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so remembering anything. But I'm looking at the bees here, and it looks, it reminds me of the Trump administration. Total chaos, okay? God. Okay, total chaos. Crawling all over each other. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yes, poor bees. Yeah. Uh, Cover your feet. However, with the, in the bees case, there's a purpose here, which is unlike the Trump administration. So, I mean, it's funny. You, you look at this thing, and they're all gathered in one part. They don't, it doesn't look like there's any order, and every now and then I love. My favorite part are the bees that fall from the top and go plop. And they plop on the ground, and then they just wander around, and they go back up, and then plop. They plop down, and then they go back up. And I'm thinking, if you get knocked off, are you do you, do you lose your place in line? What's what's going on? Have you studied this at all? I the imagine behavior. Sci- the behavior scientists study this, but it, it looks it looks like madness, and yet there is a purpose. Well, that's interesting. You you noted that because I use that behavior when I'm taking bees out of houses and so on. Uh, 
What do you mean? That uh, crawling up and then dropping mm-hmm. down, crawling up and then dropping down. How do you use that? Uh, well, I when I'm taking the bees out of a house, and it's generally between uh, the ceiling and of the first floor and uh, fl- uh, up in the second floor, and it's between the ceiling joists. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody's always afraid. Oh my God, they're going to run. They're going to go all through the house once you cut that insulation off. I go, no, not actually, no. They're going to go to that window because I'm going to close off all light. And uh, and so I take everything off of that window. Well, they'll sometimes houses uh, have real tall windows and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. And, when, and, and when they're inside a house, they're not like in the living room, are they? I mean, where are they? Yes, when, living really? room, bedroom, dining room, kitchen. Why? How? I mean, you said some houses you'll take a colony out and then another one will be back within a matter of months. Oh, what weeks. A, what, what attracts bees to a house? Well, oh, that, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bad luck? <laughs> no. Every, good luck. In fact, I have not found a house or a building that is not susceptible to honeybees. And uh, honeybees I have, don't even know what that means, though, susceptible, susceptible to honeybees. Susceptible to them moving in. And, and not why do they do that? Uh, well, excellent question. It's uh, <laughs> funny you should ask. Right? <laughs> Let me tell you. Darwin, uh, you know, answered it with survival of the species. Uh-huh. So, and it's a healthy thing for when colonies swarm. A colony can be considered a superorganism. So, and just like a cell in our body, once that cell gets full, mm-hmm. it can now split and support a new healthy cell mm-hmm. and, um, you know, replaces dead cells that are dying in our body. And that's how we regenerate and renew. And that's what a, that's what a honeybee colony does. So now that means the colony is healthy. The resources out in the environment are uh, plentiful. And, uh, and they say, excellent, we can now support philanthropically a new colony and they, they, Produce more queens, they uh, of which only one survives, and so the old queen better get out of there. She's not going to survive, mm-hmm. so she'll take third of the third to a half of the hive, and they abscond. They go to a new location and repopulate that location, and uh, and they're looking for a very particular uh, environment. They're looking for ten to fourteen gallons, rarely if ever less, mm-hmm. sometimes more. 10 to 14 gallons of enclosed space mm-hmm. um, that they can thermoregulate, that they're protected from the envi- elements, and that just happens to be in a soffit in a, uh, uh, between ceiling joists. Mm-hmm. And typically they'll put a board between ceiling joists, you know, maybe three feet in to keep the joists from twisting. Yeah. And um, in it. Makes it a, an enclosed. Oh yeah, perfect. Ten gallons, fourteen gallons of space. Out of the wind, out of the weather. Right, and 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 uh, thanks to the mice that happen to pull the insulation away. That's right ah. at where the mm-hmm. ceiling and the walls love, meet. Love the mice. Mice yes, do that. Right. Yay! Almost in every case, they'll come. They'll pull insulation aside. They'll make a nice little nest. People are all excited, and they go. There's spots on the ceiling. We know the honey's just dripping out. And then I have to disappoint them and say, actually, that's probably mouse urine. Oh. And, and, you know, and, right. And, and you hear that little. And those are the exact the ceiling, words yeah. that I get a response as soon as I pull that insula- or that uh, drywall off. 
And uh, but the the bees don't tolerate the mice, so the mice are long gone. Yeah. But the nest is still there. And uh, and then they set up shop, and it's uh, in just about. I've been to the tightest, cleanest buildings, mm-hmm. and the bees just need a quarter of an inch gap. Well, that's yeah. all that mice need too. So <laughs> there yeah. you go. And uh, all right, so that takes us to the whole uh, idea of queen. So you, you you know you go to people's houses and you help. Uh, uh, get the beehives out of there that are, you know, they're trying to watch, uh, you know, Hulu on TV and they got bees flying around. Okay. Uh, and, and when you get one of those uh, hives there, you might discover a queen that will be useful for developing other colonies. Is that right? Yes. And that's that's the key. So I'm on the forefront. All the science. We we have a huge problem. OK, you mentioned 2006 yeah. colony collapse mm-hmm. disorder. The news discovered colony collapse disorder in 2006. Right. In the mid 80s, the Varroa mite was introduced to the United States and throughout the world, except in a few isolated places like Australia. Is that uh, I, I believe it is Australia. Uh Maybe it's Hawaii. Uh-huh. And um, other than that, in throughout the entire world, the Varroa mite, Varroa destructor, uh, was introduced. And these honeybees do not have a natural defense against the Varroa mite. Right. And so by 1987 and shortly after, every single feral honeybee in the United States was gone in 87. And and then it was a fight all through the the nineties, and uh, and, but in 1999, they uh, discovered some survivor colonies Mm -hmm. that had developed. So they weren't really gone; they just hadn't found the survivor colonies. They they were gone, but the survivor colonies had figured out uh, some how to defeat the uh, the uh, how how to survive. And developed some genetics, or had some genetics, that, uh, and they're discovering what those genetics are. Mm-hmm. That um, they could coexist with the varroa mite without human assistance. Mm-hmm. And uh, part, you know, part of the uh, lecture yesterday down in Bloomington was uh, some of the characteristics to look for, such as uh, mite biting. Uh, so the honeybees will bite the feet and legs of the mite, and the mites drop and die. Hmm. Or uh, the bees are now grooming uh, the mites off. Mm-hmm. They'll either groom it off themselves. So they're or, adapting their behavior to... They're adapting some of their behavior, but they've always had this behavior, but at a very small percentage of the colony. So some colonies are exhibiting a larger proportion of their uh, society mm-hmm. um, uh, are exhibiting these behaviors. Yeah. And so that that that's kind of what we're looking for. We're looking for these colonies that have a, a, a larger percentage of um, their members, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, their ladies. These are all females, by the way, not one male in there. And there's a reason for that right now. <laughs> <They're> males, <laughs> no, they, males are useless. Well, uh, yes and no. But <laughs> they kicked all the males out in the fall time because they eat up yeah, the food. Get out of here. They don't yeah. do anything. So And watch football. Leave empty beer it, cans. Yeah. Correct, exactly. Old socks. Right. Tell dirty jokes, and, they, <laughs> and that's true. But um, uh, anyway, uh, I forgot what we're, we're oh, oh, survivor queens. Survivor yeah. queens. 
So you're trying to find more of these survivor queens that have adapted, and you figure that if you find those queens locally, they will they will survive locally uh, in in this area, and you can raise those populations from eighty percent mortality rate to much better than that if you can find the queens that have better genetics, and the better genetics mean that they have survived. So there's there's as you said, it's, there's Darwinism here mm-hmm. involved. Obviously, you can't change a species that quickly, Correct. Uh, but but there, you can change it to some degree. So you're just looking for the best of the best to, right. to it's survive. Not, it's not practical to try to do this on your own in, in terms of trying— To breed them your own. You're saying it, it you, is, want, I mean, you, they you want to go out— yeah, no, no. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant as a beekeeper, but you're talking about the colonies on their own Correct. Know, produce these queens who are better fitted to— survive in this area, and those are the ones you want, right? Well, right. Scientists are doing a great job of developing honeybees that are mite fighters or good groomers or, um, you know, have different mite-resistant characteristics. Mite biter was my nickname in high school, yeah. by the way. Just <laughs> you know. But um, uh, everyone is coming to the same conclusion that no one can do it better than the honeybees themselves. So let's find these bees that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Let's find out, and, and let's breed from them. And uh, But we have a huge problem, and that is our migratory habits and how we replace our honeybees mm-hmm. now. It's not sustainable. Uh, have we got a phone call there, Brandon? I, I th- and honeybees or just tomatoes? Uh, that ain't going to happen. Sorry. We're talking honeybees today. Uh, but but call next week. And we'll talk tomatoes. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, we do have a question off Facebook, too. But okay, we'll get to that we'll after get the to break. That. All right. It's Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. The Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 4th. And this 10th anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display, the award-winning traveling exhibit Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy savings inventions with you. Of course, more than 70 green exhibits and vendors of all kinds, including invited artists who will be displaying and selling their sustainable creations. Did I mention the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? And Peggy and I will be there. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. Here's the bad news. One out of every six Americans doesn't know where their next meal will come from. So what's the good news? You can help. This year, instead of decorating your holiday table with flowers, use an arrangement of fresh, uncut fruits and veggies, which can be then donated to a local food pantry. Share a photo of your centerpiece with the hashtag AmpleCenterpiece, and you could win a $50 gift certificate to Gardner's Supply Company. Go to ampleharvest.org slash holiday to learn more. Hi, folks. The Mike Novak Show is moving. No, it's not. Well, we won't be live on Saturday mornings anymore. Yes, but we'll still be right here live on Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Just like the old days. You mean last week? Yeah, something like that. So, what's the deal? The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is leaving Saturdays and staying on Sundays right here on 1590 WCGO starting November 11th. I get it. You get a ding. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Sundays from 9 to 11, only on Smart Talk. 
Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better. And what's that? I have an extra piece of candy for my stupid brother. He couldn't come with us because he's sitting in a pumpkin patch waiting for the great pumpkin. It's so embarrassing to have to ask for something extra for that blockhead Linus. I got five pieces of candy. I got a chocolate bar. I got a quarter. I got a rock. There we go. That's that's what we had. (laughs) I got a rock. I get those for Christmas, too. Hey, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're really excited to have Bill Whitney and his bees. And uh, it's a, like a traveling band. Uh, they do little performances. We got bees. Bill and the bees. Be- bees have been crawling out of this frame. They uh, and, and we're tracking them down. We're going to try not to leave any in the studio because that would probably not be a good idea. I'm very allergic, so if we could not leave any in the studio, I'd appreciate that. Oh, okay. Brandon's very allergic, so uh, we'll try not to uh, get, honeybees. get it. You know, they're going to go straight for you. You realize that, Brandon. That's the way that works. Oh, yeah. There's got to be an old donut yeah. in the studio yeah. somewhere. We'll I assume, Ariana, you're not terribly allergic. Otherwise, you would be you, <laughs> running you, in the other direction. Yeah, you would have done that already. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, here's one I, I want to get to before the end of the show here, Bill. And by the way, if people want to get a hold of you... Uh, at uh, at uh, City Bee Savers, that uh, website is citybeesavers.com. dot com. Is there a? Uh, uh, well, there's also a Facebook page, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Facebook. So, City Bee Savers. C- so City and Twitter at City Bee Savers. And, right. and and we used all of those, and and he will come out if you got a swarm, want to know what, or if you want to learn about raising bees, honey bees. Um, He's he's the guy. Or sponsor a beehive. Um, or sponsor one and bring one up to your pet house and have him take care of it. Uh, make sure that you get him a smoking jacket when he's out there working the bees and uh, a, a glass of brandy. He really needs that. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about something I get notices all the time. I'm sure you do, Peggy, as well, because, you know, we get all these things in the mail every day. And a lot of the time they say... We have to ban neonicotinoids because they're killing our bees. Sign the petition today. And the point I want to make about this, yes, we know that neonicotinoids are very toxic to bees. We know that. Uh, the argument from the, the folks who use them and manufacture them is that they're used in such small quantities that they're not uh, as dangerous as you think they are, that used properly they don't cause a problem. I know that Dr. May Berenbaum, who you probably know of, she's an entomologist at the at um, University of Illinois, has been on the show a number of times. Uh, one of the things she says about pesticides and honeybees is this is something you got to understand the genetics of the honeybee. This is something that over their millennia of development, are, they were not prepared for. This is something their systems can, can't can't handle. And and I might be wrong about this, but she said, as I recall, that they have like half of the genes that normal insects have to deal with these kinds of things. So they're really not prepared to deal with pesticides, uh, insecticides. Uh, But as you've pointed out, there's a lot of other things going on. It's not just that we have pesticides that are killing our bees. We got varroa mite. We got Nosema virus. We've got uh, loss of habitat. We've got uh, stress in transportation. These bees are like shipped all over the country back and forth. Uh, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. 
I don't I forget what the percentage of the number of honeybees in the whole country go out to the almond uh, fields in California. In millions Fe- of hives. Yeah, millions of hives in February so that we can pollinate almonds, one crop. Out, out in California, and and the a lot of these hives came from the east that are migrating right now down to southern Florida, mm-hmm. and before they make the great world's greatest migration out to the almond fields, and there's they're vectoring lots of diseases mm. uh. and carrying the mites. Mm-hmm. Then once they get out of the almond fields, the the, uh, the almonds are very good uh, nutritionally for the honeybees. They're they're great protein. Their pollen is a but, great. But but like anything, source. one of the things I've heard, and it's again, Dr. Berenbaum talking about this, is that if we ate the same thing every day, that would not be good for our health. Correct. So you know, honeybees like any uh, animal need a balanced diet. They're not eating the almonds every day. They're doing it for uh, several weeks. Oh, I know that. But but, but it does, yeah, correct. But we're, we're, it's we're, a mono we're, diet. We're throwing them in into monocultures. Right. So maybe that's part of the issue. Anyway, there's a lot of stressors on, on mm-hmm. bees, but I want to get back to pesticides. What's What do you feel about that? Uh, uh, they're, they're one of the stressors. They're in our environment, and there's no uh, there's no easy solution to it. Um, because they're everywhere, and that was part of the point she made is that there's low-grade impact on bees every day because there are so many pesticides it, It's out a there. good example how you, what we're, what, when you say pesticides, you're pulling one of the stressors out and highlighting it. Uh-huh. Uh, and you alluded to it, but honeybees have the weakest immune system of all the pollinators. There's 24,000 pollinators. They have the weakest immune system. They put their energies into building this really tremendous society. The social structure and not so much the immune system because the way they were able to boost their immune system is to have a, an, an incredibly broad diet of pollens. Now, a lot of those uh, uh, are, have been pulled out of their diet mm-hmm. because people go, oh, that's, not, that's a worthless plant. And, and, it, and, and science will say, oh, well, you know, that's not really contributing a great to their um, you know, protein source, but what they've discovered is once you take just that little minute um, portion out of their diet, it their immune system weakens. Well, you're and they pulling, have to have one it back of the in. one of the building blocks, one of the bricks. Take one of the bricks out of the wall. Oh, right. we took one out here. Oh, let's take out another brick right. here. Oh, and let's now take out add a, yeah. a poison into the environment. Yeah, <laughs> replace now it's it with weaker. a poison. Nice. Now. Ship the bees. You, you've got these bees that are uh, uh, canoodling all over the country. I don't know if love that's... that word. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, they're <laughs> they're uh, they're all over the country. They're all in this big, huge hookup mixer, and uh, and then after they come out of the pollen fields, their their colonies are large, so they shake bees out of them. They run over to Hawaii and 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 and. Uh, to the queen producers and throw a queen in, ship them off to Chicago land, and they are not really uh, um, accustomed to our local stresses. Sure, and they don't make it. And so, which so, is why you and, we, and your friends at the uh, Illinois Queen Initiative are looking for local queens. Oh, they, and that's the secret. That All the scientists are coalescing their information. At the end of their presentations, they all say, but we've got to find these bees that are doing it by themselves because they're the ones 
They're the geniuses. And when you say doing it by themselves, it's creating their own queens locally. Uh, the genetics will be better. The ad- adaptation to the area will be better. The, yeah, the the colonies. I'm I'm not going to just isolate the queens. We you work with the queens and drones. We can't leave the drones out. Okay. So they're not worthless. They have some Yay! worth. Yay! Right. Go boys! Yay! <laughs> they have they have a great worth. Um, uh, and those are those are what we use to uh, uh, propagate new colonies. But the colonies themselves have their own personality, mm-hmm. and they're so it's not just the queen, as you said. It's the colonies. And the colonies wanna... are directing the behavior, yeah. Yeah. actually. Okay. So, so the scientists are saying, let's find these that have developed these genetics that are overcoming these stressors. Mm-hmm. And let's breed from them. Now, more there's, adaptable, yeah. Uh, one of the things I learned yesterday is a group in Ohio, uh, uh, Dwight Wells. They're doing incredible. Um, this, they're doing this in a, in a, in a really neat way uh-huh. that, that we want to do in Chicagoland, but they have different uh, parameters than we Well, do. you'll have to come on to another show to do it because we'll talk about that. We're, we're flat out of time. That's Bill Whitney from City Beekeepers. You can go to uh, City Beekeeper. Savers. I'm sorry, Bee Savers. Savers. City Bee Savers. Sorry. CityBeesavers.com. I want to thank Patrick O'Neill from Amp Your Good and Kim Hankins from McHenry County College and Margaret Frisbee from Friends of the Chicago River and, of course, the, the very sick Ariana. Thank you <laughs> thank you for spreading your germs. You're welcome. And for the very susceptible to bee stings, Brandon. Uh, until next week, go green or go, go home. home. What? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.